We're back. Letter Libus podcast. Mitch here. Jundar. It's been quite some time. Been out for a while. Been working on some stuff. Uh, started writing a new book. I will not reveal any more than that, but it, it'll probably be a while before it's out anyway. But anyway, that's where my time has been. I uh, just thought it would be you know, relevant to bring that up since it's our absence has been quite so long. But today, well, rather tonight, it's late as fucking hell. Jesus Christ, it's 1 a.m. We're starting this, but we're going to talk about music. I feel this one's long overdue. I've wanted to do this for a long, long time, and I feel it's as good a time as any um, for reasons I will mention shortly. And just so you guys know, the book is writing is a self-help book. I, I said not to reveal any more than that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's actually it's, like it's, just... uh, let me tell. All right, the cat's out of the bag. Fuck it, you've already thrown <laughs> it out there. It it so my idea is it's a self help book for those of you who are really motivated to kill yourselves. Yeah. So I'm gonna I give just... you that extra fucking bit of encouragement you need to finish the job. And look, guys, I'm just gonna save you the money. Really, like it's just. Three pages that just say, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. Actually, it's just, it is three pages, but each one page says kill, the, the next one says your, and the next one says self. That's well, it. My, I, I am guys. thinking I... about, well, I'm thinking about editing it down to one page of just kill yourself. Honestly, I think you should just save yourself uh, the trouble and just kind of like just post, just like email it to people. Yeah. We'll see how it works out. Um, Working hard on it. It'll be quite a while. Look for it in, I don't know, two to three years. Anyway. Oh, yes. Music. Yeah, music. I so I, I felt like this was a really good time for this because Tool uh, has released their first album in 13 years. Damn. 13 fucking years. It's been so long. I'm a, a very old 30-year-old man at this point. And Dude, the last the, time they released an album, you was were it, a teenager. I was in high school. I was in high school. It's fucking crazy to think. I, I, yeah, I think I was a junior in high school. I love Tool. Grew up on that shit. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, the first time I ever heard of a... Well, I didn't hear about them, but like I saw one of their music videos, and this shit just like stuck with me for ages. Uh, Stinkfest. Like, yeah, they've, the, they've always had really good music videos. Yeah, like I just remember seeing it on... Uh, a music station we had it wasn't mtv it was just like a local music station and i'd see that music video play all the time i was like damn that's like fucked fucked up but well, uh, i never uh, knew who it was uh, who the band was until my, many years later well actually uh if i'm not mistaken they would not display the name of that back in the day on mtv so it was just called track number one that was its that was what it was known by uh, yeah. on like network TV and all that shit, but yeah, it's called Stink Fist. But to to the point though, yeah, thirteen years it's been since their last album, and of course it's 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 sort of like the Half Life Three equivalent in music. You know, people thought this day would never come. Uh, it better be Half Life Three than Duke Nukem well, Forever. Yeah, well, to put it into perspective, okay, their first album, you know, again, not counting their EP Opiate, but their first album Undertow came out in '93. I want to say 92, 93. Um, and then 10,000 Days, which was their last album up until a couple of days ago, came out in 2006. All right. So that would be what? 
about 13 years. So in in the span of this thir- these last 13 years in which nothing has happened, they've released all of their other albums. Their first album came out in 93. Their second was 96. Their third was 2001. And then their fourth was 2006. So their entire fucking discography, again, discounting the, the EP, uh, released at the time it took to make this one fucking album, which is just ridiculous. Now, that's not to suggest that it actually took 13 years to make this album. But anyway, the question will be, of course, uh, did it live up to the hype? And that's why before we started recording this, uh, I went to I went to Metacritic to look up the user reviews for each album just because now not that that's an indication of uh, obviously of quality, but the answer is no, of course not. Of course not. Now, I mean, it depends. Like, did you put 13 years of pressure onto this album, like changing your fucking life? If so, no, it's never going to live up to it. Nothing could. But I looked at the reviews and I found that the newer the album is, the worse the user review is. And that's generally the case. Generally, that is the case, you know, because people want you like they fall in love with a certain sound. And Tool was known to be a very angry, but um, there was a lot of aggression in the earlier music, especially the first two albums. But it was very uh, esoteric and and almost spiritually uh, inclined to an extent, you know, a a lot of that stuff was, but the, you know, of course, like things change. People talk about different shit. You get old, you feel differently. So people look at that as a, as a means to say, oh, well, you sold out your album suck now, whatever. Uh, Not, they didn't get trashed on the user reviews, but they're, you know, they're good. They're just not as good. But I just, uh, I think, you know, the older we get, our, our interests just change and it's it's pointless to just stay to just one specific thing like I, i'm babbling right now but like it just kind of reminds me of you know keeping in the context of music uh the musician marilyn manson like if you ever see if you ever saw him like in his early days folks dude looked fucking weird you know like it was he was ultra provocative it was like the most fucked up shit that you ever seen. But nowadays, you look at the guy, yeah, he's fucking calmed down a lot since then. Yeah, but I mean, he still, he still looks fucked up. Yeah, but like, his I mean, look okay. is the same. He's just not as provocative. And, and, and also, I don't even, I don't know if I would agree with that. I think we're just desensitized. You oh, know, he's, man, like, he's calmed down for sure. He's calmed down. But I think a lot of it is like, we just don't give a shit, you know? 15, know, 20 like, years just... ago, that was terrifying. It was like, holy shit, Slipknot. Slipknot's just as aggressive and, and um, fucking headbanging as it was then. You know? Yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just, I just look at, you know, younger Marilyn Manson, and that guy was like, he looked like he was pushing the limits all the time. I just, like, I see him now. I mean, he, I mean yes, he still has that goth look of his. Yeah, his well, yeah, is he calm? Yeah, he just yeah. he. I mean, he looks com- like again. Like, let me paraphrase this. Comparative to himself, he looks to have toned down considerably in his old age. Yeah, he got fucking he old. old. Like that's it. He got. Nah, old. He's old, but yeah, he got old. He got old. He's old and he's fucking slow. He can't do yeah. the things he did before. 
you know, but musically, it, you know, I mean, so he's a, he's a, it's not as aggressive. Like, yeah, because people get old and you're just less like when you're young, you're pissed off about everything. Right. A lot of aggressive fucking music comes in a musician's early career. All right. Smashing Pumpkins. Perfect fucking example. Right. Early Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan, uh, Butterfly Wings, fucking Disarm. All that shit is so it's either aggressive and, and fueled by anger and rage or fucking sad as hell, you know, but his later work which I would argue is is good. I would not say it's as good. I mean, I think only a fool would say that that's the case. I don't think anybody's saying current sm- modern Smashing Pumpkins even comes close to rivaling their classic shit. That's one ex- example where I'll say no. Their older work is absolutely better. But it's because of where he was in his career. And I think that's what a lot of musicians struggle with. It's very difficult. And going back to Tool... Um, now again, it's really early to analyze this album, uh, Fear Inoculum. It's just, it's way too early. It's really complex and it's tool. It's a fucking tool album. It's going to take months and years to decipher this shit properly, but it's, there's still some fucking bangers on them. And it, that it, it fucking bangs. It goes hard, but it, you know, like tonally is not as aggressive lyrically. It's not as aggressive. I mean, he's fucking, he's like in his fifties. You know, the guy's got kids, he's got a family, he's, you know, he makes fucking wine for Christ's sake. Like, it's, yeah, he calmed down. It happens. Like, that's what you're supposed to do as an artist. You're supposed to evolve and thusly, so will your art. You can't expect an artist uh, to just stay. That's why Eminem, his shtick has just grown stale, right? You can't, it's like when Eminem was 26 or what the fuck ever, dropping Slim Shady OP, and he's pissed off, it's like, all right, yeah, he's pissed. He's in his 20s. His girlfriend's a piece of shit, you know, he's just fucked up in the head. He's got this young daughter. All right, makes sense. I get it. You know, but when he's still pissed off and he's, you know, like 45 or some shit, it's like, okay, bro, calm the fuck down. You know, what are you mad about? You know, and now his newest album, Kamikaze, which is okay, really. Revival was dirt. I know I'm all over the place here, but Revival was fucking dirt. Um... And he got mad that people said it was dirt, even though it was. And then his newest album, Kamikaze, more or less simply exists just to respond to the haters. That's sad. That's sad. When when you have to create a fucking album to respond to people that did not like your trash album. And it's because you ran out of shit to say. Okay? And that's why Dr. Dre stopped after three albums. He's like, "Mm, I don't have anything else. That's all I had up my sleeve, kids. I'm out. You know? Now, Dre doesn't really write his own music. It's really more sonic. But, And I think that's why certain musicians have longevity and some fall off. Now, of course, Eminem is still hugely popular. He's Eminem. You know? But in terms of critical reception, fan reception, and that is why, you know, he's just fallen off. He's run out of things to say. He's just sort of spinning his wheels and, and you know... We've heard it all. Like, yeah, we get it. You rap fast. That's cool. Great. It's really impressive. But, you know, it's a shtick. It's a really impressive shtick. But it's not something I'm, like, coming back to revisit, personally speaking. You know? And it's the heart and the essence of music that makes it beautiful. It's not 
some technical thing a lot of the time. It's yeah. the soul of it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's kind of like Kanye West, right? I think we can both agree he's, like, not, you know, the best technical rapper. Like, you know, he's not the be- best out there. But, like, when you just hear the lyrics and you just feel the beats to his music, even, like, his newer work, I mean, you can feel that man's soul into it. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, like, he's very... Lyrically, he's not particularly impressive. You know, Kanye's never really been that much of a lyricist. Kanye, and just I'll just tell you up front, as you well know, is my favorite rapper ever. He's well, second favorite. <laughs> oh, behind I Shed Your Fish, of course. Yeah. I'll get to him later. <laughs> True goat. But uh, the reason is because Kanye is not really so much a rapper as he just is a musician or an artist. And I think he is, and I think, you know, uh, he, him and his fans get a lot of hate, but I will say this. I firmly believe that when the history books are written and it's all said and done, regardless of his antics and his freakouts and his the dumb shit that he says a lot of the time, the history books will show that he was was probably the most important artist of his generation. Bar, bar none. Bar none. Like, he, he <coughs> is crucial to modern music crucial in so many ways like for instance just to go back on what i was actually saying about staying relevant musically it's his willingness and almost his is he can't even help it it's just his natural inclination to evolve right he he, his music is always different always it constantly managed to to evolve on itself. Yeah. No and, album is the same. Yeah. It's like, like I think you've said yourself, like some of his earlier stuff, you know, like they're more gospel. You have like one album that's very gospely, one that's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's or- Grand Orchestral, which was, I believe that one was, uh, that's my like registration. You- oh, no. Yeah. You're, skip- you're skipping way too many albums. The first is, uh, that's College Dropout. That is a very gospel. That was Jesus Walks. That was his first yeah. big hit. That was a very gospel-driven album. And then Late song. Registration is where he had like his really big bangers. Gold Diggers, still probably one of his most popular songs with Jamie Foxx. And that had a lot of uh, orchestral uh, instrumentation in it. And then was Graduation, which honestly is probably the most pivotal uh, instance of what I would consider almost like stadium rap. Now, now this is not to suggest his his skill was on the level of Queen, but it reminds me of that, right? Where it's, it's the type of anthemic music that rouses an entire stadium, you know, like Stronger. Yeah. It's an infectious beat. You can't help but just get behind it and be motivated by it. Um, Flashing Lights is excellent. That's a great fucking song. I love that. I could do a whole podcast, frankly, on Kanye West. You know this. I write a fucking dissertation on the guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's bad. Spo- you know? Spoiler, guys. I didn't want to talk it's... about it. You brought him up. I was going to talk <laughs> about it way later. See, you yeah. fucked up. You made the mistake of bringing him up way early, and you fucked my conversation points. Because oh, I just... was going to get into him way later, because there's so much to talk about with him. 
I mean, uh, maybe it's best that we do start with him because there is so much to talk about him. I don't know. It, well, anyway, I was going to talk about Tool. It's been 13 years. I was stoked about that, man. Come on. <laughs> All right, no, back to Tool. So no, it's too fucking I'll late. <laughs> God, I, I, I'll go back to it at the end. Sorry, listeners. Fuck. Blame this fuck. We'll circle back well, to Tool. We'll circle back to Tool. I do. Because it's still... It, look, 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 it's okay. Like, it's still... Still... <clears throat> okay, anyways, it still has to do with maintaining relevancy. So, I mean, it's still a relevant point. We're just sort of jumping around a bit, which is okay. So, with Kanye, the reason he's managed to stay relevant is, you know, one, he says dumb shit that captures headlines. It's, it's very Trump-esque. He knows how to steal a headline. He knows. All right. Uh, for better or worse, usually worse. But, musically speaking, it's his albums always evolved. Like I said, the first album was very gospel-driven, which was very uncommon for its time. This is smack dab in the middle of 2004. Jay-Z is huge. Gangster rap is huge. You know, you're coming off the whole um, Biggie Smalls, Tupac shit in the late 90s. Gangster rap and that type of shit is at an all-time high. You know, that stuff was fucking massive when I was in school. And coming from the South, the other type of rap that had really started to blow, blow up at that point was... Um, I guess what you would consider the early uh, sort of the early stages of trap music, like trap, trap, rap, trap, hip hop in the sense of, you know, sexy, slutty shit like Nelly, uh, mystical, you know, shake your ass, this on this, this. So it was like shit was either sexual or violent. That was rap like that legit was rap music. That's all it was. Yeah, you know, and Jay-Z like was well, Jay-Z was sort of the pivotal he was sort of the figurehead of rap at the time, you know, Tupac and Biggie did. And Eminem had, had started to blow up. This, I guess that would have been when Eminem show had come out, Encore came out in, I want to say 2004 as well. Uh, so he was huge at the time, obviously. But then Kanye came in and, again, I would say Eminem was still a unique voice at the time. He was very satirical, which I would say is, was pretty uncommon in rap. And he was also um, very zany and almost like a cartoon. Which that had been done before, you know, MF Doom and, and whatnot, but... Um, I mean, you probably know the rap scene a lot better than I do, but wasn't uh, Eminem also one of, like, the first earliest big uh, white rappers in the, in the scene as well? Yeah, well, yeah, but that wasn't... I mean, that's interesting tidbit. It's more of a factoid than anything. It's not really yeah, but, I mean, it's relevant kinda, musically. Yeah, but, I mean, it's... It's interesting. It's, 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 it's interesting different. because look, it's because you know when you have like the rap scene, like it's primarily dominated by you know black people and black culture, and you know a lot of your music was about you know that gang life shit. And here comes Eminem, kind of like you think white guy. He probably has better. Uh, you know he should have like a better life. You know if you're racist like that, mm. here comes a white guy saying about talk about the kind of like the same. Trailer yeah. park shit, and like, can I say, oh shit? He's here to say everybody got problems. It don't matter yeah, what color you are. Problems. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it was a unique voice, but sonically, his music was the same, and it yeah. still is. It still is. Like lyrically, you know, I look, I love Biggie Smalls. I'm a true fucking diehard Biggie Smalls fan. I think if you think Tupac is on his level, you're a, a fucking idiot. You're an idiot. 
you're a complete fucking moron if you think he was anywhere close lyrically. Come on now. Let's to be fucking real here. Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean Tupac didn't have bangers. Of course he did. He's a great songwriter. You know, he's in touch with his fucking feelings. That's great. But Biggie's storytelling is was unrivaled at its time. But Eminem just created a unique voice for his time. The things he talked about and, and the way in which he approached it was unique. But sonically, the fucking music is the same. The production is the same. And it's, it's indistinguishable, right? Mm-hmm. And what made Kanye West so pivotal during his time was when he came out, it's what he talked about, right? Because Eminem was still violent. Like his his music was still about like violence and fucking cutting his girlfriend's head off and this it, it was just comically violent, right? It was just so ridiculous and over the top that it was just nearly unbelievable. It was the Marilyn Manson of rap. It was shock rap. Now he's really fucking good at it, but it was just to shock you. Now there were some more heartfelt songs, but honestly, that came much later. You know, his his first album was just satirical and comical and dark. And so was Marshall Mathers LP and most of Eminem's show. It wasn't until I would argue shit like Mockingbird and stuff from Encore where he really started to develop more of an emotional side to his music. And especially with Recovery in 2010. Relapse just was not good. I don't fuck care what anybody says. Even the most diehard Eminem fan can fuck off at that. Relapse wasn't good and Revival was terrible. Recovery was pretty good. Marshall Mathers LP2, not bad. Pretty decent. Um, Kamikaze is just okay. But the point is, it's like, sonically, he just has never evolved. It sounds the same. And people just aren't going to come back to music because you rap fast. You know, it's 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 not anything. It's cool. It's I'm not going to say it's not anything. It's, it's Obviously, it's really fucking cool. But it's music. It's sonic. Music, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. Yeah, uh, I think you've said, I think uh, I remember having these conversations with you in the past where a lot of times we'll be doing something, you'll be playing a video game, writing a book or whatever, and you'll have music play in the background, but most times you're not going to really pay attention to lyrics. It's you vibe music. Yeah. yeah, it's vibe music. It's I mean, why do you think, you know, Drake, Drake is, it's why Drake is probably the biggest rapper in the world right now and has been for, for some time. It's vibe music. It's just it's a vibe that's it it's pretty it's the same it sounds the same shit it's like the weekend as well yeah it all sounds the same <laughs> it's the same but kanye west is truly innovative because it's not the same in fact it's never the same it's ever not. the first album going back to my point was orchestra uh, was a uh, heavily gospel driven which was again in the fucking midst of the utter violence and chaos of eminem the fucking gangster rap of Jay-Z and shortly preceding him, Big L, who was fucking killed, I want to say like 2001. And, he, you know, he's more underground, but still excellent fucking badass gangster rap. Of course, you got a Wu-Tang Clan, all that shit. That's a little earlier on. Um, you know, it was either fucking dudes up, selling dope or fucking girls, you know, and, and, and you know, it was like fun club bangers like the whisper song by yin yang twins which is it's a fucking banger everybody loves that song uh you know juvenile your fine motherfucker would you back that ass up shit like that like that's what was played heavily in in the south you know but 
Kanye was a truly innovative voice for his time because you know he's talking about how much he loves his his damn mama, you know. <laughs> his yeah, first he's gonna... album, he's over here like, yeah, I love my mom, and I yeah, dropped out like of school a, for this. Yeah, kind of like a big, uh, you know, big far cry from Eminem talking about, you know, t- telling his mom "fuck you" and uh, yeah. skeletons in the closet. Yeah, fucking clean out my closet. And again, that was 2002, probably, uh, Eminem show. And so when um, Called Dropout came out, this motherfucker's biggest hits, Jesus Walks. He's talking about how much he loves Jesus on the radio as as a mainstream rapper with a pink fucking shirt and a backpack and talk about his mama and Jesus and family and all this shit. That's his first album. Okay, so his second album comes out. That was, I think, just a year later. I want to say it was 05. Late registration. And that was heavily orchestral. Which, I mean, how many fucking times have you heard an orchestra and a rap album? Even now. It's not really a thing. And, you know, he had Gold Digger, which, you know, definitely a club banger. Nothing lyrically special about that. It was just, it was a fun song. And, you know, having... Uh, somebody like Jamie Foxx on there, especially with the whole Ray Charles Ray movie coming out at that time, was a great crossover appeal. Um, and on top of that, you know, he had more uh, socially minded tracks too, like Diamonds from Sierra Leone, which is great, and some other shit like that. You know, that that's a great album. But then when he got into graduation, again, this was like a stadium rap. This is, you know, it was designed sonically to be played on a big ass stage you know things like stronger flashing lights just crazy high production value now i'll be honest with you uh i like his later work way better than his earlier work but i respect his early work i respect what it did but it wasn't until basically he just lost his fucking mind that he really became great yeah, you know so so 808s and on so when he when he came out of graduation you know that was sort of him at the height of his ego right and then when he came out with uh, 808s, you know, his mom had died, his fucking fiance left him. And that's just like, again, compl- he, he took a turn and then again rewrote the book. So the first fucking album, he's like, oh, I love my mom. Praise Jesus gospel. OK, that's not nobody's doing that. Then he does late registration. He pulls out some orchestral shit. You're like, OK, I've never heard that before. What the fuck? At least not that prominent. Then he's hitting you with some stadium rap. Which is like, oh shit, this is fucking crazy ass shit. He got Daft Punk. How many fucking rappers you know got sampling Daft Punk? You <laughs> oh, know? My. And that's really where his genius comes in. It reminds me a lot of Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I would love to see them two interact with each other. I think they would just really have a lot in common. Yeah, like their their obsession. Well, they're both obsessed with their... I don't want to heart jump on Tarantino because that's an entirely different discussion too much, but... Both two people, it is, but they're both two people who are obsessed with their mediums. They're encyclopedic. They have an encyclopedic knowledge of their fields. You know, both of them do, and I think in that respect, they would they would gel really well. But anyways, um, Kanye. Then you know when that happened with his mom, his fiance, Ada Waits, he rewrote it and he rewrote the book again. You know, it was these sparse uh, songs with just this creepy fucking instrumentation, the Ada Waits drum. You know, it's just a fucking album about heartbreak and misery and how to fucking go on grieving. Again, it's a fucking rap album. 
And then, then the whole fucking Taylor Swift shit goes goes on, and he's reviled by everyone. Obama dogs him. Everyone hates this fucking guy. He, yeah, he so, becomes the abomination of Obama's nation. That's 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 true. Is it? <laughs> says South Park's dog, and everybody hates him. He goes to Hawaii and makes Bob Beautiful Doctors of Fantasy, which is probably awesome. the best rap album in. Oh, yeah, that's fucking awesome. In its in the in the decade it released, I would say, or or close to it. Uh, so that was just full maximalism. Yeah. It was just and like. Yep. Go ahead. No, no I was, uh, you finish what you were saying. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm taking a, a, a swig of my water. <laughs> All right. Now I was just gonna say. Hey, you know, like uh, one thing I was reminded of when he released that album, "My Beautiful Dark Twist Fantasy," is like that short film he released. Uh, yeah, Runaway. Runaway, dude, that shit just reminded me so much of of Michael Jackson, like how he would produce these. Yeah, like, like these big, these, yeah, it, stuff it, like it, Thriller it, yeah. and Moonwalker. These, yeah. I mean, almost like film-like music videos. I'm sure there was that, a lot of inspiration. Oh yeah, that. you know you, there had to be. I mean, he was a terrible. I mean, Kanye was a terrible actor. In oh yeah, movie, awful, but, awful. But I mean, the music was like great. Never, again, much like Tarantino. Tarantino is a terrible actor. You know. Yeah. He's off. His Australian accent, Django and Chain, is fucking garbage. But the point is, though, is it was the in- intricacy of of that album and and how he just ripped himself apart. You know, he he basically just deconstructed his entire ego, you know, and the way the album is from the way it begins, the way it ends, you know, uh, you know, from dark fantasy on the way up to power and like the height of ego and so on and so forth. And then getting into the middle of the album, which is the, the later half of the album, in my opinion, is is better, even though the whole fucking thing is masterful when you start getting into. Things like, you know, obviously Runaway, I still think is probably his best song ever. Um, Just completely picking himself apart. Yeah. And also a a great thing that I really love, but whenever I go back and listen to Runaway, it's just, I'm seeing here, right? It's probably the longest song on on the track, on the album. Yeah, it's like like nine minutes. Yeah. And the last three minutes are just him talking yeah, this fucked up robot voice. Yeah, and in that nine minutes, it just feels like he just goes through every style of music he can. Like it yeah, starts off nice and lot, slow with there's a with lot going on. Melody, and then yeah, Pusha like, T is fucking excellent. Everybody loves yeah. Pusha T. Pusha T, he's the other guy. He's the other rapper on the song. Lyrically, Pusha T is one of the best out there. Dude's excellent fucking lyricist. Excellent, and so that's a great song. And then you just start also getting the blame bit, game. Yeah. Yeah, blame game's great. fucking excellent. You know, the whole Chris yeah, Rock yeah. bit at the end. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. funny, but it's just painful. It's just, yeah, it it, it's so heartbreaking. And then I love Lost in the Woods, which he samples a song called Woods from Bon Iver. Uh, bon Iver's fucking excellent. You know, so uh, it, it just gels together so beautifully. And he's just so willing to go to these places in his mind that I just think few people are willing to go, you know, and just pull himself to pieces. He'll he'll he has the biggest ego and and just he'll shatter it at a moment's notice. And so that was a big deal. He went as maximalist as possible. And when he came out with Yeezus, he did the exact opposite. Stripped that fucking album back, 
as hard as he could. Rick Rubin produced it, who's notorious for stripping an album to fucking pieces. He practically revitalized Johnny Cash's career in the early 90s, doing the same fucking thing. Hell, even, like, I'm just looking right now, like, at the the wiki page for Jesus. This is how simple it is, guys. Doesn't even have an actual cover. It's just a see-through disc, a see-through plastic casing with a disc on it. That's it. That's your cover. It's 40 minutes. It's 10 tracks. It's really short. Uh, there are no interludes or no bullshit. No, it doesn't waste your time at all. Like it just gets to the point, and it's a very ego-driven album. So he just sort of goes in the opposite direction, you know, with that that's... album. So I mean, yeah, when you have a song that's uh, that says "You are God, I am a God," yeah, that's uh, that's as egotistical as you could get. You know, and I, it's it's an interesting exper- experiment to go from one extreme to the other like that, and then of course getting into his, his his more recent works, yeah, Life of Pablo, I would argue it breaks my heart. You know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to fuck like say. Fucking sandwich. A fucking sandwich. Life of Pablo has the potential to be Kanye West's best album. It really does. And I, if I could have 15 minutes of, of, of the man's time and I could sit down with him and be like, Kanye, please, just listen to me, bud. Please. I could fucking make this album a masterpiece and you won't have to really add anything just make cuts now again i could just fucking custom make this shit on my own you know collection basically but it has the potential because the theme itself is phenomenal yeah the, di- which is, the dichotomy of yes being yeah. uh you know wanting that simple life but also being like this bigger love and, it, it's, it's it's love and lust you know yeah He's caught in between two worlds where he still wants to fuck bitches, but he's he's fucking wants to be a family. Yeah, he's Pablo Picasso and Pablo Escobar. Yeah, and I mean so there's it's it's just such an interesting dynamic, I feel. And so there's a lot of potential there. And I mean a lot of those songs are are so good. Like the middle the mid section of that album is amazing. FML with Weekend, which is a great, great track. Um Real Friends is probably the best complete song on the album. Pro- one of his best songs, in my opinion. And I heard your favorite on the album is Wolves. Dude, Wolves could be. Fuck you. You know where I'm going with this? The fucking sandwich line. He just fucks that goddamn so- Reach in my fucking fridge and take a sandwich. Really, dude? Really? Fucking lamest line, man. Cut that fucking line. This shit is whack was- as fuck. I mean, yeah, it's a great God, song. I love dude. it myself. I like the hearing, but it's... It just, like, I don't mind if you have, like, corny lyrics sometimes, right? Depending on the song. But that was not the song, man. That'd be like if Runaway had some corny shit. No, nah, man. No. No, not like that. Like, Pusha T says some slick shit that maybe is a little cheesy, but it's it's slick, you know? And it just, no, hell no. But anyway, and then he took frank ocean's fucking bit off the end and made it its own song why why you didn't need to do that it was fucking epic it was fucking fine just keep it on the end of the track he put that stupid fucking silver surfer surfer intermission in there uh shit is so dumb cut that shit out so stupid 30 hours is awesome with andre 2000 and he never finishes the fucking song he just fucking mumbles in the later half like takes a fucking phone call in the middle of it or some shit (laughs) you know it's fucking stupid like, Fade, lyrically, is kind of empty, but it's a banger, you know? 
uh, facts is just him bragging about his sneakers, but it's not bad, you know, the, the version on the album. So, I mean, but really the heart of it is like, Wolves is excellent if he would just make those slight changes, you know, add add Frank's bit at the end, cut the stupid sandwich shit. Um, FML's great, Real Friends great, Real Parties in LA with Kendrick is fucking awesome. He actually shows up to rap. Famous is dope as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, I would even argue like feedback, highlights, all this stuff. All it cut low lights, which is just really like a woman praying or some shit. Um, dude, Ultralight Beam is one of his best openers ever. When I saw him shit, do that shit live, it was fucking epic. You know, he's like suspended on a fucking stage by himself above the crowd. It was sick as fuck. Yeah. Know? That's a guy I would love to get a chance to go oh, see play like it's, Seeing him, and, and it's just it's an experience, man. It's not yeah, even man. a concert. Yeah. You know, it, what fucking sucks is. Uh, remember, like uh, three years ago, like we were actually gonna go see him play live, me and you, but he canceled his. He lost uh, his body, like a mental breakdown. Yeah, had a yeah. mental breakdown. He couldn't go see him. He was gonna go to Columbia, South Carolina. I went to. I drove to DC. And that was a year him. later, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He he added another leg to the tour. He, well, no, it was the same year. It was the same year. I saw him in September, twenty sixteen. And then he was going to come back in December 2016 to uh, South Carolina. He had like some kind of mental breakdown. But anyway, uh, even his newest shit, yay. I mean, is it's short, but it's great. Yes. It's really good. I mean, he he just gets on some more personal shit. So I mean, he just is always going to evolve. I don't want to yeah. fucking harp on him forever though. So, uh, but you know, one thing I kind of wanted to add though is uh, like on that album, yay. There's like two two songs that kind of like stick to me about that that album. The first one, I thought about killing you, because mm-hmm. that one's not even a song. That's just him, almost like talking to you, talking to the, the listener. Yeah, and it, is, uh, it just feels like a deep dive into this in this oh, guy's subconscious. subconscious. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And violent crimes, like to me, that stands out for one reason: is because like it is a perfect. Uh. <sighs> I think it's a good. What you're trying to say, it's a perfect encapsulation of what a father feels about what it's yeah. like. To have a dog. Yeah, and it's also not not just that, but also it's just so like a lot about gangster rap, like rap is like when you're young and you're a rapper, you're talking about fucking bitches. Mm-hmm. But here we have like a rapper talking about, hey, you know what? That bitch has a fire, and I have a dar, and I don't want to ever see her be in that position. He didn't write that song, which was disappointing, but there's probably a lot of his songs he don't write. I mean, I, I'm okay with that. You know, it's whatever. Like, as long as you perform it well, you know, it's like I'm not mad at Martin Scorsese because he doesn't write all his fucking movies or something like that. You have to just be willing to bring it to life. And sonically, he does. And more importantly than anything, it's it's his sonics. It's his ear for production and the sonic nature of his albums that keeps him relevant. It's because he's willing to change his sound. He's willing to do things differently every time. And to finally, because you fucking severely crippled me and sidetracked me here, because you knew I was going to go in on that. Back to Tool, for the love of God. With Tool, I would not say that it's so much that they've drastically altered their sound, even on this new album. It's that Tool, even now, 13 years fucking missing in action, no one has managed to even come close to replicating their sound. 
they are still wholly and utterly unique in the landscape of music. You know, now there's some other weird shit out there like like Swans, but Swans is more like noise rock. It's just it's fucking chaos. Swans is just tit it's just butthole clinching like 20 minute songs. It's fucking crazy. Swans is the absolute fucking shit. But that's a whole another discussion. But with Tool, they managed to stay relevant, I think one because it's it's the fucking heart wants what it can't have. You know, it's been 13 years. You can't help but wonder. And you, it's different when an artist like puts out shit all the time, you know? And, and again, to go back to Kanye for one second, is why it's still so fucking interesting that he's still this relevant. He still releases an album every two, three years, you know? And he's just as relevant, if not more so. It's, it's yeah. unheard of, you know? Where p- there's the opposite spectrum, like Tool, where it's been... An eternity since you put out new uh, new music and, and people are super interested in it because it's been so long. But I'd say there are changes. It's, it's interesting because it definitely does stand apart from the rest of their discography because people were worried a couple different things. You know, the biggest fear, of course, is that, you know, their songs are sh- they, they basically do what Metallica did. Nobody wants another Black Album scenario, even though it was good in its own right. No one wants Tool to like start coming out with three-minute radio hits. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, they want these fucking epic nine, ten-minute songs. And oh boy, do you get them. Uh, they're a fucking song. The album is 85 minutes. If I'm not mistaken, they couldn't even fucking fit all of it on, on the album, on the disc. Let me look that up. Uh, the max time limit on a CD is... 74 minutes so they actually so if you buy the cd it's 74 minutes or whatever right but then there's an additional 10 or so minutes or whatever the fuck on the digital version because they just literally could not fit the entire album on a cd it was too long you know uh it's pretty crazy dude and Uh, yeah let me let me just add there i don't know that kind of sounds like uh, i could be wrong but it sounds like uh, if it's death long, there's probably some filler in it. Uh, well, I mean, it depends on what your definition of filler is. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a shit or anything like that, but you, know, you could argue that with almost anything, but anything that goes longer. But yeah, I mean, the album is like, it's it's definitely strange in the sense that it's very instrumental. Very instrumental. I mean, there, there's less singing by Maynard on here than maybe any Tool album, but it's the longest album. There's so much just like fucking jamming out. So if you're into that, fuck yeah. Now, again, going back to what we were talking about previously about background, blah, 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 blah. That's where things like this excel because, you know, you have the depth and, and the nuance in, in the lyrical material in the album of course but then beyond that you have this insane instrumentation to keep going in the background you know and that is what has allowed them to stay so fucking relevant i mean their earlier albums did it too you know but (laughs) their early albums did it fucking too but 
this latest album is it just takes it to a whole new level. There's a song on there called Tempest. It's like fi- legit 15 minutes long. 15 minutes long. And holy fuck. Like Adam Jones goes on, he's the guitarist, goes on the craziest, nastiest fucking riffs, dude. And I miss that shit. I miss that shit. How many mainstream rock albums are busting out long ass epic guitar riffs? Fuck that's dope. People miss that shit. That shit is awesome. I'm tired of these cookie-cutter-ass three-minute fucking songs. No. Get that shit out of here. You know, this shit is just wild and free and organic. And some of the drum solos by Danny Carey. Whoo! That motherfucker has got to be like part octopus, dude. That shit is... That motherfucker is going off. Going off. All right? So, I mean, it's it's fucking epic. It is so epic. There already is... I've noticed two or three ones that truly stand the fuck out uh definitely tempest numa is probably the one i've listened to the most i mean it's it's fucking bang this shit's awesome so i mean they've stayed relevant because their sound is so fucking unique and they've just managed to maintain an incredible level of mystique throughout their career um and then of course you just have people like kanye who continue to evolve you know it's it's crazy. But then you have people who just they just churn out the same shit and then I mean the people start to tune it out, right? Like there are, are of course exceptions. Like Drake, he's prolific in the sense that he releases a lot of material often. But it's just really average, right? But it's just really good vibe music, you know. Uh it's about it's it's almost more of like the cult of personality. Of course, talent and skill have a lot to do with with music and, and shit like this. But it, you know, it reminds me a lot of Kojima in terms of games. Not to sway too much into games, but these are all creative fields. So, so of course, there are going to be some uh, comparisons to be made. But it's it's more of his personality and and the idiosyncrasies within his work that make him so big, rather than the true quality of the overall product. And that is the same for music. Now, of course, Drake isn't some fucking strange quirky guy. Anything but like Danny Brown, right? Now, I think Danny Brown is that good, but he's a weird fucking dude. Guy's super weird. He's got a fucked up voice. He's hilarious as fuck. I love this guy. He's one of my favorite rappers. And his shit is painfully dark. But it sounds like a damn cartoon, you know? The way he talks, at least. His crazy-ass voice. But the themes are just so harrowing, man. Fuck. You know? Just like how... It reminds me a lot of like the sad clown, you know, being behind yeah. that mask, right? Where he's just talking about being, you know, pe- he's on these fucking drugs, strung the fuck out, and, and people are just laughing, and it's for their entertainment. You know what I mean? So there's so much beauty in all this fucking artistry. And I think you could stay relevant just on sheer skill and talent like that and and your cult of personality or you know or you could just have something that's so cookie cutter like taylor swift that it has a mass appeal you know everybody goes through a bad breakup i mean she's made her entire career over having bad boyfriends yeah well i I think that just applies to really any creative field is that when you have stuff that just is so broad that appeals to a mass audience like that obviously they're gonna be the ones that are the most popular, regardless of actual 
the actual talent that goes in involvement with. Like, look at the... Again, you know, I, I know this is kind of veers up a little bit. Like the Transform movies. Those movies consistently make money every time they make that. And they're terrible movies. But people fucking love seeing movies with giant robots kick, uh, being each other up with loud explosions. It, it appeals. While you have stuff like, you know, Tarantino's movies that are a lot more personal and they're not personal as in like these deep narratives, but personal in the sense that this is something made out of love by the creator and he wants to do something different and quirky. Yeah, it's idiosyncratic. Like, yeah, they don't, really. they don't make as much uh, back in the box office. But, you know, they, they still get an audience. And I think that just applies to anything, really. But, yeah. you know, let me ask you this, though. What to you has been the most... What song has influenced you the most? Or at least uh, been a big impact on you? Like Song? Song. Like one yes. song? One uh, particular song. We're not limiting. talking albums. Jesus here. Christ. One song. I mean, I it doesn't have song. to... I mean, that's easy. This podcast is named after it. <laughs> Lateralibus. No, it's Lateralist by Tool. Lateralist. Yeah. Why is that? Oh, my God. That song's fucking amazing. Okay, for one, obviously, you know, as you know, Lateralibus, the name of the fucking podcast is a poem that I wrote which is somewhat inspired by that song as well. Uh, and it's what that song is about, which to me, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that my analysis is 100% correct or what the fuck ever, just my interpretation of the song, um, is just how we grow and develop. I mean, let me just fucking pull up the lyrics just to make sure on these. But, you know, that fucking song, that's the song that was written to the Fibonacci sequence which kind of inspired the poem. Now, the poem is obviously not written in, in a Fibonacci sequence, but it inspired um, the structural design of the poem, right? So, Lateralibus is, is more of like a Latin... Lateralist is Latin as well, but Lateralibus is, is sort of like a... If lateral is sort of a sideward shift, then a Lateralibus is, is a multitude. Of ships, it, it means to go from. I like how I ch that's the name of our podcast. I don't think I've ever like <laughs> intricately explained what the fuck it means <laughs> until now. Uh, but it's it's basically a multitude of of ships, right? It means to continue to shift laterally, continue to move side to side. So, in other words, at least in my view, it's to constantly change, to constantly shift and evolve, right? So talking about like just the first verse of the song very short black then white are all i see in my infancy red and yellow then came to be reaching out to me lets me see now to me it sounds like being born it sounds like the beginning of life black you're in you're in the womb you see nothing then white the the fucking hospital room Red and yellow came to be. I mean, you could argue that's like piss and blood. Um, as above, so below, and beyond, I imagine, drawn beyond the lines of reason. Push the envelope, watch it bend. You know, you can interpret that in many ways, but just growth, 
constantly evolving and moving, shifting. Over and overthinking, overanalyzing separates the body from the mind, withering my intuition, missing opportunities, and I must feed my will to my to feel my moment, drawing way outside the line. So it's just this notion of just constantly swelling and evolving and growing and which is you've read the poem you can already kind of see the similarities there uh and then he moves on to the second but he repeats the first verse moves on the second verse uh so there is so much more that beckon uh, and beckons me to look through these infinite possibilities and that's really what this podcast is about that's what ladder libus is about it's what that poem is about is the infinite possibilities, but more specifically that those recognizing those infinite possibilities comes from within, not outward. It's not somewhere out in the fucking world in space and time. It's in your mind and heart that you'll find this. And then to continue on, he, you know, does pre-course again. Um, And then this is where it really fucking starts to kick ass. Like shit starts banging out. Uh, feed my will to feel this moment, urging me to cross the line, reaching out to embrace the random, reaching out to embrace whatever may come. I embrace my desire to feel the rhythm, to feel connected, enough to step aside and weep like a widow, to feel inspired, to fathom the power, to witness the beauty, to bathe in the fountain, to swing on the spiral of our divinity and still be a human. And then the last, the outro, which is fucking legendary, with my feet upon the ground, I lose myself between the sounds and open wide to suck it in. I feel it move across my skin. I'm reaching up and reaching out. I'm reaching for the random or whatever will be- bewilder me. And following our will and when, we may just go where no one's been. We'll ride the spiral to the end and we may just go where no one's been. And then he just says, spiral out, keep going like a shitload of times. It's fucking awesome. Fuck that song is legendary. That is probably legitimately my favorite song of all time damn it's so epic and so beautiful and so kick fucking ass that song kick first of all just on a, a, a primitive caveman level it just kicks fucking ass that song kicks ass dude tool just kicks ass period they just fucking bang they come to fucking rock shit out but at the same time they're intricate and weird and esoteric and, and just strange. There's so much mystique and, and these weird little things that you you never quite figure out. It reminds me a lot of poetry. It's just heavily cryptic and, and sometimes difficult to understand until you and you're rewarded for going deeper in there. I've, you know, and I've listened to these songs for years. I mean, like, album came out in 2001, you know, what, 18 years ago? Christ. Um, it's crazy. You know, I've listened to it so many times. And so that I would say that that song inspires me the most because to me, again, my inter- somebody could be listening to, be, to this right now and be, you know, when we post this and they'd be like, wow, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's not what that song's about at all. Well, <laughs> fuck you, guy. This is what I think. All right. This is what's that fucking big Lebowski? Well, that's just like your opinion, your man. Opinion, man. <laughs> like, but honestly, I view it this way where it, it, to me, it feels like someone is born and it's about their evolution and their growth and their reaching out to the to the infinite nature, the infinite possibilities of existence. Well, I think I just kind of think a lot of music is like that. It's just up to you, the listener's yeah. interpretation. Like, like, I remember asking you this before, like, 
the meaning, uh, like what does wolves mean, like that song. Oh yeah. And, I mean, you and you gave me an explanation, but I don't know. Like, for me, I, I always took it as Connie talking about, you know, his relationship with uh, Cam and how, like if like how they are as people and their relationship and how, you know, if their parents were still around, like her deceased father and his deceased mom, that, you know, they'd probably not enjoy or like who they've grown into. That's how I've always interpreted wolves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fucking, you know, you could just go really deep into that stuff and just really, separate a bunch of lines and figure stuff yeah. out but what what about you you asked me that question now i'm asking you uh so for me all right so like my well, not I already you don't even have to i already can answer this for you if you yeah. don't mind it's uh on the floor i said fish you knew i was gonna come back around and... <laughs> fuck you know, you know my man so well my man look, look hearing eyes jj fish is you know somber voice Always gets to me. Give you chills, man. It does. Like, honestly, man, it's like it's just like his music gives me hope for life. It should. I think. I think if we were able to play a song globally around the world at the same time, you know what? All of the world's problem would be gone. Like, no one would be fine. Everyone would just like be holding hands and they'd be like, "We are the world. Uh, we are." The all right, people. you can go ahead and answer the question now. This has got way out of hand. All right, sorry. Uh, yeah, you know, mine was uh, "End of Heartache" by Killswitch Engage. No, it's not, no, a... bro. Really? Yeah. The most inspirational song you of all well, time. I didn't say inspirational. It's like. The song that influenced you the most is the it, look, look, look. I'm not gonna lie. I fucked with that album really, really hard in high school, and you know, they they kick ass for sure. But the song that influenced you the most is "End of Heartache" by Killswitch Engage. Well, it's not that it influenced me, but it's just like the song that resonated with me the most. Why? I've literally the names of the title. What if? What are you so heartbroken about? Eh, because it was, it was more about like I was just a very lonely dude at that time, and I just didn't really have anyone to just hear that song. Just like I, and I don't know, it just made me want to be. I don't know, it just resonated with me because it's how I felt. Like well, I, just I feel like to, to have a broken heart, somebody has to break it. Who broke your yeah, heart? Well, nobody. It just again, I just took it more as a song about you know, literally having heart pains about being by yourself, about being alone. Okay, I mean, I I could see that. Like it wasn't that. Oh, someone wronged me, and I'm heartbroken. It's more like, right? You know, my heart aches because, you know, I want to find a connection with someone, have uh, someone that means something to me in my life, but I don't. So that's why, like, that song like resonated with me, not because of uh, actual heartbreak. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, it's been ages since I. I've listened to songs. Well, I'm just, I, I like. I think for the most part, I get your point. But like, I'm looking at the lyrics. Like the middle of the song, he's talking about. He's clearly talking to you know, a lover. You know me. You know me all too well. My only desire to bridge our division. In sorrow, I speak your name, and my voice mirrors my torment. So like, he clearly 
you know, he's talking to, so clearly he's about someone breaking his heart. Yeah, clearly. look, I understand this. But you're, you're viewing it as like, I see what you're saying. You know, like it's more about the isolation and loneliness and the, in yeah. the absence of, of, of love in your yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah, for me it was the absence of love, and obviously in in the song it's the the end of love. It's the the yeah. Oh my god! Remember when you fucking karaoke this at that bar? I did. <laughs> oh my god! Like this is fucking hilarious. I gotta say, my friend, you have a big fat sack. You do. Your sack must be. It must be hard to walk. With that sack, dog, you gotta have a fat old sack to get up in front of a motherfucker who's singing like Journey and all these cliched ass songs, uh, and sing motherfucking End of Heartache by Killswitch yeah. Engage. And you went in, you went in on that shit. I did. I also tried to fucking sing Queen. I remember that. Could not do it. Why not? What happened with that? Forget. Dude, I'm just not on their level. Like, I mean, I'm I not... remember you trying to like set it up, but didn't uh, you, because... you couldn't get back on the list or something? It was too long, and we left. No, like I did do it. I did get a chance oh, to okay. sing it. The problem was just I probably picked the worst song to do. The... What did you do? Uh the one with David Bowie. Yeah. It's uh oh, under pressure. Under pressure, yeah. I mean, you cannot sing that. Why the yeah, fuck would you choose a song that's for I two people? <laughs> I don't know why. Look, what? dude, you should have just... "Fat Bottom Girls." All right, that's a fun song. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one to get up there because it's like honestly, no one's gonna take should... it seriously. Yeah. No one's gonna honestly, take that one seriously. Honestly, what I should have done is sing what is sing the song I sang at your wedding, "Viva la Vida Loca." Oh my God! Good Lord! Oh yeah. Sang that shit at your wedding. Yeah, I can't believe she didn't leave me right then and there. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> like should have been like file for an annulment. Yeah, she should have been like, look, match, I, I can't be with you. Uh, that's your friend. He's attached to you like a leech. Can't get rid of it. Uh, so yeah, I'm gone. Oh god. Yeah, yeah I remember. Now. And it was funny enough. Uh, Later that night, when I went to the hotel, and I was uh, trying to flirt with Libby's friend who works there, I fucking sang that song again in the in the hotel lobby room. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ! Oh, I mean, there was no one else around, just her. But uh, you yeah. sang to her? Yeah. Jesus! What she the asked. fuck? She asked. Dog, we she need to raise me. funds for like autism awareness <laughs> or some shit. What the fuck? You heard here, guys. Any money you donate to our podcast to to our Patreon account, we will donate to the to any foundation that has to deal with autism. So Mitch doesn't have to to keep being embarrassed by me. No, we're gonna get that hat. I'm gonna get that hat for you. <laughs> You know, is that what I'm always showing you? Please be patient. I have autism. Yeah. Someone's going to kick your ass. I feel like you'd, if you wore that hat, someone would think you're making fun of autistic kids, and they they definitely want to kick your ass. You know what? I was thinking about this the other day. Not about wearing that hat, but just 
how you know just how I've been able to go so so long in my life, you know, without my ass getting kicked. And I was like thinking it's like it was a prime moment back in college where I was. I mean, this has nothing to do with what we were talking about. It's just rambling right at this point. Where I was on the computer lab watching the Terminator on YouTube, and there was this like dude sitting right next to me who was like chilling, shooting shit with his buddies, and I was being too loud and I couldn't hear the movie. And now I may be remembering this wrong, but I think I was getting annoyed with the the constant chair that I I might have slapped him in the mouth. Shusham. Hmm. And he looked at me, it's like this motherfucker. And at that point, like he should have kicked my ass. Like, and I, I will say this right now. If I am remembering this correctly, and if I did do that, he should have kicked my ass at that moment. But he didn't. Probably thought I was just too autistic. I'm like, man, you yeah, know, probably felt bad. Yeah, pro, fuck this guy. He's just he's fucking off. Like I, w- I wouldn't beat up a kid with Down syndrome, you know. Fuck. Yeah, yeah but I mean, he didn't know I was autistic. I don't know if I'm autistic. Probably am. Yeah. Definitely, hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you know, once when I was in high school, I tried to write my own song. Well, I mean, that's not autistic. That's just. I'm saying it was. Oh, okay. You're just changing the subject off the autism. Yeah, we're kind of going, uh, coming back to the oh, to the music part of it. Yeah, uh, that's cool. What was it about? Autism? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, <laughs> obviously. No, I mean it was just cringy teen stuff about being chained up and wanting to be free. Like literally chained up? Yes, literally. There was like literally. Nah, the nah, I don't lie. This is some fucked up bondage sex shit, wasn't it? Nah, man, I, I hadn't discovered my inner deviant at that point. Ah, uh, damn. I mean, I don't think I've ever tried to write a song. I mean, that's I think a weird I, thing. I think you could do a pretty good song. Yeah, I don't think I've ever like specifically tried to write something in a song format. You know, I've never sat down and done that. I could, but it's, uh, you know, like when you have the chorus and repeated phrases. Generally, like when I write, you know, it's a poem or something, so it's not, and I don't really repeat a lot. But yeah, it'd be an interesting challenge to do for sure. I'd, I'd like to just do it for the fun of it one day, just see what I could come up with and shit. But yeah. although I do think uh, there's at least once one poem in your book that I swear to God could be a song. Mm. Like I'm I don't to... know. Shit, if I know. I think Burn could be a good song. Nah, what? Yeah. No, dog. I don't see that as a song at all. Not at all. That does not sound like a song to me. I don't know. Whatever. It's your, it's your interpretation. What about, what about Louder Now? Did you see that one as a song? No. You're just naming stuff now. That actually is a song, though, by a band called Taking Back Sunday. So... Fun fact. I don't know. I just I just feel like some of the, I mean, I would have to go through this whole book and read it, but mm-hmm. I I swear I think there's a few of your poems 
that could easily pass off as music. As music. I maybe so. I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't want to bore everyone today with <laughs> you reading that aloud. I mean, look, if they're listening to our podcast, you know they are they're already they already know what they're in for. Boredom is part of it. You know? It's true. It's true. Fuck you guys. Listen to this. You deserve <laughs> you this far. You made it this far. You had both. This this was coming your way. You had you're getting what's coming to you. Yeah. Also, that was not a uh, a paid sponsorship, guys. We were not uh, advertising his book Raw. No. Not on sale. Don't on buy Amazon. it. Amazon.com. Yeah, definitely don't buy it. And don't look forward to the next thing I'm writing. Whatever yeah. it may or may not be. It's a biography on Kanye West. It might be. I think I could do that. I I feel confident. Hey, well, you know what, Mr. West, if you're listening to this, or if anyone who knows you is listening to this, please contact us at laralibus.com slash cure for autism <laughs> backslash <laughs> backslash <laughs> lower the goddamn price on Yeezys. They're too high. All right. Uh, these bullshit ass prices. No. Also, no. Slap. Also, you know, slash change the sandwich line uh, dot, dot org. Uh, get in contact with this man and he will write you I'll do your it. biographer. Like, he will be very meticulous. I'm only going to do it if he changes the sandwich line. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm out. That, that, that's his price. He will not require monetary compensation. Just you change that one line in that song. That's right. All right, we're probably going to wrap this one up. I know it's a little on the short side, considering we haven't been back in a while, but this is just such a broad fucking topic. So epic in in, in scope that I feel like it's something I want to revisit. Sort of like video games, really anything artistic. Yeah, especially since since this this particular one has been very focused much on rap, and there's like so many different music genres we can get into. Oh, God, there's so much like the... 90s rock and stuff. I I love that shit. I'm super into all that. Hell, I I cool. love, a, you know, yeah. pumpkins, all that Nirvana, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, Hell, I would love if one day we could get to even talk about gorillas. Yeah, gorillas. I mean, that's they're almost in a genre of their own, really. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a I mean, there's a lot of different. St- I didn't even mention Father John Misty, Fiona Apple. I mean, so many. Things I love, and that's what I'm saying. Like this, I could go on forever. I mean, I could do this for hours. You know, like, like I've said this before to you. Uh, I'm f- for all the times we talk about, you know, video games and this and that. Like I'm far more interested in music. I know way more about music than any of the other things that we talk about. Uh, be it games or fucking movies or you know what the fuck ever. Like music, that's the shit that I. I'd love it. I'm obsessed with it. If I am, I've said this so many times before, if I'm not speaking to another human being, I'm listening to music. Yeah. Because, so, because music is like, it's just in every aspect of your life. Yeah. Dude. Well, because let's think about it. It's the only, it's one of the only creative mediums like that where you can do other shit and listen. like, you can't play a game and also do this thing, yeah. right? You can't watch a movie and do this thing. You can, you can like listen to music and really be, have an intent to listen to it lyrically or you could just vibe to it you know so it's just sort of always there uh so 
yeah, I mean, it's such a broad, fascinating topic. And this was really rap-based. So I would love to get more into, come back to this, revisit this, get into, I love a lot of singer-songwriters. Again, like Fiona Apple, Father John Misty, uh, Wise Blood is a more recent one. Uh, she toured with Father John Misty. Just shit like that. You know, I would love to get more into that because that really gets into the meat of lyrical work. And Fiona Apple's one of my favorite musicians ever. I fucking love her. She is one of the best writers uh, in modern music. So I would love to do Benjamin Clementine, really weird guy. He had a feature on a gorilla song, actually. Uh, I'd love to get into all that stuff. And then, of course, there's so much a wealth of, of rock and all the history behind that. Led Zeppelin grew up on all that stuff. So, yeah. Want to revisit this because I will just be on forever. I'll never shut the fuck up, and it's getting late. You will not. I won't because I fucking live and breathe for this shit. Uh, anyway, I, I will make sure to not mention Kanye again. Yeah, don't because I'll just get derailed again. Uh, I'll do a whole one on him again. Like I'll find new shit to talk about. But yeah, right. he is the he is the Red Dead Redemption two of music. Yeah, except I don't have all this critical shit to say. All right, uh, so. What? I, I, I didn't say anything. Oh, yeah. you may, Like in the sense that I could go on forever about it, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're going to wrap it up. We will be back. I want to assert that. <laughs> it's been quite an absence. Uh, we will be back uh, on a weekly schedule. Hopefully, we won't get fucking derailed again. We'll stick to it. Like I said, been working on some stuff on the side. But in the meantime, we'll be back. Uh, we'll probably – we have a couple ideas – of what we're going to cover next week uh, that could be pretty interesting. And, yeah, besides that, uh, buy my fucking book. I was kidding earlier when I said don't buy it. Buy it. <laughs> I missed it's that. It's only, eight, only $8.99 on paperback. Kindle is free. Well, if you have Kindle Unlimited, I think it's $2.99. But I have a cool little deal in there that if you buy it on paperback, then the Kindle's like a dollar or something. It's pretty cool. I can't remember... It's called like matchbook or what the fuck ever. It doesn't matter. Go get it. Thanks. Yep. 